I want to talk to you guys today really about marriage, about singleness, about dating, about courting. And I think it's important that the church tackles some of these issues because the Bible tackles some of these issues. Thank you so much. And so today I want to preach a message that might sound like it's for only a certain group of people, but it is for all of us. So regardless of whether you are in this season of life, all of us need to lean in today because all of us know someone or have been someone in this season. I want to title this message, Dear Single Friends. Dear Single Friends, if you are single in the church today, make some noise this morning. Come on, stand up. Stand up and just wave at everybody. If you're single in the church today, take a stand. Come on, be proud of your season. Be proud of what you're going through. You are awesome. You are fuego. Come on. Look around. Look around. Just get the options in the room today. But I, I really do have a heart for singles. I really do. You know, I, I, I interact with a lot of single people in our church um, who oftentimes will tell me what they're walking through. And I just feel like God's word has so much to say about our single season that we've got to dive into it. So if you got a Bible, go with me to Proverbs 18, 22. Yes. And this is what the king of Israel at the time said. Speaking of kings and queens, there was a lot who had some crazy marriages, and there was a few who had some good marriages. But one of the things that he said in Proverbs is, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and gains favor with the Lord. So it is a good thing to get married. It is not a bad thing. Marriage is not a curse. To be married is not to have a ball and chain, walking around, you know, feeling bad. And we live in a society that continues to try to make marriage, you know, an outdated thing, um, that continues to try to make the idea of marriage just a, a kind of a, a hopeless idea. But marriage still matters. Marriage is still God's idea. And if you are single and you've given up on the idea of a healthy, good marriage because of everything you've seen, let me tell you today, God can still give you an incredible good husband, good wife, and a great marriage in your future. Proverbs 31 verse 10 says this right here, that whoever finds a wife of noble character, of noble character, whoever can find a wife of noble character. In other words, Proverbs 31 is this whole chapter about what a wife who fears the Lord is like. And what he says here is that a wife of noble character is worth more than rubies, is worth more than treasure. A woman of noble character, in fact, there's so many scriptures about a woman who loves God, a man who loves God, is worth more than anything. And so as singles, we want to be pursuing the right kind of person. But you know, the Bible also talks about this liar who just kind of walks around throughout the scriptures, who's always breathing lies into other people's lives. And we know who it is. It's the devil, the enemy. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said, there is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is a father of lies. Here's what I've discovered, whether you're married or single. The enemy loves to whisper lies about your love life, about relationships, and he's in no hurry to destroy you if he can just distract you with a lie. If he can just convince you with a lie, a lie like you'll never get out of this season, you'll never be free from this addiction, you'll never meet a good guy, there's no quality people in the church. All these kinds of lies the devil loves to whisper can keep us trapped in a life, missing out on the Zoe life that Jesus promised us. And so I want to just start this message off with 13 lies that I think the devil loves to tell singles. 13 lies that I think many of us in this room have either heard when we were single or here right now as a single. And the first one is this, you're incomplete until you are with someone. That is a lie from the pit of H-E double hockey sticks right there. You can be complete without being married. You are not a half person. You are a whole person in Christ. David said in Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If you have Christ, you are complete. Right? But we hear in the movies, Tom Cruise says, you complete me. No, 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 no. She doesn't complete you. When I found Ashley, I didn't find an incomplete girl. I found a girl who was complete in Christ. The most attractive thing about a single guy, a single girl in God's eyes is that they are already complete before they meet someone. If you have to have someone to have a complete life, then you are missing out on the Zoe life Jesus has for you. Number two, the second lie the enemy whispers is your season of singleness will last forever. Your dream of getting married will never happen. That is a lie. That's a lie. The enemy loves to whisper lies of defeat, lies of discouragement, lies of finality. I remember when uh, Y2K happened. It was 1999, December 31st. 
And uh, year 2000, the millennium was about to happen. How many of y'all were alive when that night happened? And I, I remember I was a teenager, and I was on a bus with all these other teenagers. We were in youth group. We went to go see Prince of Egypt that night. It was like a big, you know, youth outing at the theater. And um, we're on the bus, and all the teenagers start saying, you know, what if the rapture happens tonight? Like, what if this is the end? What if the world ends and it's all over? And I said, that cannot happen. That Because I have not gotten married yet, and I have to get married. I have to experience sex. I have to get married. Hey, listen, God created it. Do not get mad at me about mentioning the word. God made sex. All right, so I was like, I've got to get married. This cannot happen. Lord, please, you know, delay the rapture. Y'all just feel like I am such a bad guy for saying that right now. Don't judge me. Some of you prayed the same prayer. You are praying that you get to get married before the rapture happens. But I remember during that time, God began to speak to me when I was single and I was looking for a girl. When I went to ORU my freshman year, I was walking through the prayer gardens. I was on the hunt. I was a hunter. I was like, is she the one? Is she the one? Could she be the one? I'm curving around the prayer tower, going into the, the um, student center. I'm sitting in my classes, my professor's talking, and I'm just like looking across the room, just like, some of y'all do this in church. I know you do this. Y'all are like, bro, I think she's the one over there in row three, section B. She's the one, <laughs> right? And I would be in chapel. We would be worshiping. I'd have one hand up, one eye closed, one eye open, looking for who in the room is worshiping God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and is hot in pursuit after Christ and hot physically. You know, I was like worshiping, it's all about you. And anyways, but during that time, God began to wake me up and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, singleness is a gift, it is a season, and it does not last forever, so don't waste it, your entire single season, living in fear, living in discouragement, thinking you're missing out, feeling like you're never gonna get out of this season. This season is a gift, and it won't last forever. And if you have a dream to get married, we don't serve a God who hates our dreams, who despises our dreams. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans, plans to give you hope and a future. Psalm says, those who delight themselves in the Lord, he will grant them the dreams of their heart. If you will pursue God, God will make sure your dreams come to pass. But don't spend your whole season living in the discouragement of the lie from the enemy that this season will last forever. Number three, the third lie the enemy says is you missed it with that person in your past. And now your chance for someone great in the future is gone. You missed it. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to singles who go, man, I just feel like I missed it. Like there was this person I was supposed to date my sophomore year in college. Like I was kind of interested. She was kind of interested. But I just didn't make the move. And because I didn't make the move, I feel like I missed my train. I missed my opportunity. And maybe God doesn't even have any more great opportunities in front of me. All the good people are married now. I missed my opportunity. No, you didn't. That is a lie from the enemy. God still has someone great for you. But the enemy wants to keep us in this place of shame. Feeling like we shoulda, coulda, woulda done this with our past. Maybe you are here today living with regret. But I want to tell you today, don't spend your single season living with shoulda, coulda, woulda ideas. Start waking up with hope that God still has someone great in your future. Number four, the enemy whispers this. You've messed up in sin, and while God might forgive you, he won't give you a great marriage in the future. This is a lie from hell right there. The devil loves to heap condemnation on believers. He knows you're already saved, so you're going to heaven. So he goes, man, I can't get them in eternity, so I'm going to make them experience hell on earth. While they're alive, I'm going to make them feel so ashamed for their past mistakes, their sin. And so there's this lie out there of going, well, God might forgive you, but there's no way he's going to redeem you. There's no way he's going to give you something great. That's a lie. I remember when I was a sophomore in college, I made a big mistake. And I felt so ashamed, and I, I, I kind of came back home that week. It was getting closer to Valentine's. I remember just feeling like the biggest, you know, loser. I go, man, I just messed things up. I shouldn't even be called a Doherty. I've messed up the Doherty last name. I made a big mistake. Y'all are like, what mistake did you make? It's none of your business. I'm not telling you what mistake I made. <laughs> but I was at home, and my dad said, Paul, you're not acting like yourself. I said, I know, I'm just, I'm just sad. And he goes, why are you sad? I go, well, Valentine's Day's coming up. It's Singles Awareness Day. I don't have a relationship. I'm gonna dress in all black. I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna mourn. It's a funeral day for me. And my dad was like, okay, I know you're sad because of that, but I also feel like you're sad for something else. And I go, you're the last one I'm gonna tell. He said, why? I said, because you're perfect. You're a pastor. You've never sinned. And he laughed. I was like, what does that laugh mean? And he said, well, Paul, first of all, no pastor is perfect. 
all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And he said, besides, he goes, whatever mistake you've made, it's not like God can't forgive you. And I said, well, that's the thing. I feel like he could forgive me, but I don't feel like he could give me a great marriage in the future. And I remember my dad sitting down with me in that moment. And he began to just share with me a lot of his experiences as a teenager, as a young adult. He began to open up to me with his tr transparency, just sharing with me some of the things that he wished he could have done better, done differently. And after that, he said, you know, Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what I felt like in that moment was God was just removing the shame off of my mind. What I want to do for some of you today is just remove that shame and condemnation that's been weighing your thoughts down, that's been weighing your heart down. It's time to take off that backpack of all those stones of regrets you've been carrying around. You don't have to carry that heavy bag any longer. Jesus paid it all. And he has a hope and a future for you. Not only can he forgive you, he can redeem you, and he can still give you a great future. He can still give you a great future. And I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible here in just a second here. Number five, the enemy whispers this lie. It doesn't matter at this point who you marry, so just settle with anyone. Yikes, that is a lie that too many people believe, and it leads people down a path of destructive decision making. So you just start dating anyone. Doesn't matter anymore, Paul. I've already messed up. I might as well just go with whoever's interested in me, so I'm just going to go out on a date with them, just going to do whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. It does matter because you and that person will co-parent children together, and you could be marrying someone that's a con man. You could be marrying someone that, that is not who they are pretending to be. Someone showed me a documentary about a month ago about this guy who literally conned people for years, stole money from them, messed up people's lives until he finally got caught. Kind of like the Catch Me If You Can movie. And the whole point is this. The enemy is so deceptive. He's the father of lies. And oftentimes he will trick you into thinking it doesn't matter who you date. Doesn't matter who you marry. Doesn't matter what boundaries you set. Just give in. And that is a lie from the enemy. God has a plan for you to be married to a healthy, good man. A healthy, good woman. He still exists in his 40s. She still exists in her 30s. There are good quality people out there. Don't let the enemy convince you that it doesn't matter. Because it could be destructive and harmful for your kids one day. Number six. The lie the enemy says is there's no quality people to date or marry in my church or city. How many of you have ever heard this before? Or you've felt this before? <laughs> All right, I've talked to so many people who've said this statement. There's no quality people here, Paul. There's not, there's not the right kind of guy here, right kind of girl. I did my research this week in the Bible and in just like blogs out there all across the world. And I've heard this quote in every blog from people in Chicago, New York City, Beijing, China, Dallas, Texas, Omaha, Nebraska, San Francisco, California. Are you telling me there are no quality human beings on planet Earth for you to, this is an excuse, it's a lie. There are quality people right here in your neighborhood, in your church, they're in the 11 a.m. service, they're sitting in your section. You just need to work up the courage to say yes, to ask her out on a date, to really Realize there are some godly, quality people. Ten of y'all are clapping right now. The rest of y'all are just feeling convicted. I know when I'm speaking truth, it starts getting quiet. All right, there are quality people. Number seven, you're missing out. The enemy says you're missing out on the enjoyment of life because you're not married. That's a lie. You don't have to be married to enjoy your life. David said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. You know what I'm seeing in society, and you're seeing it too, is the devil is trying to stir up FOMO amongst so many people, the fear of missing out. Y'all like, what's FOMO? Most of y'all know, but if you don't know what it is, it's the fear of missing out. Oh, I'm missing out. So he's got married people feeling the FOMO. Oh, we're missing out. Single people fearing the FOMO. <laughs> we're missing out. People who are dating, feeling it. people who are in a relationship, people who are not in a relationship. You need to stop looking at everyone else's life and realize you are not missing out. You are in your best days yet. You are called to enjoy this season. This season of singleness was not meant to be endured. It was meant to be enjoyed. You may not have chosen this season of singleness. Maybe your spouse left you. Maybe you walk through a painful heartache, heartbreak, and you find yourself in this season and you go, ah, it's just hard for me to imagine that God actually wants me to enjoy this season. He does. 
God would not lead you through a season that is only painful and say, I don't want you to have any fun. I don't want you to smile. Don't want you to laugh. Don't want you to make any memories with any other people. Don't want you to uh, enjoy my presence. No, no, no. Even in the valley, God wants you to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. This shadow is not my final destiny. I'm coming through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will not fear, and I will not get depressed, and I will not live in discouragement. All right, next point here. The enemy whispers this, God can't use you in a strong way until you have your spouse. Okay, well, hold on. Let's think of one Bible character that was single that God used. Oh, that's right. The son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hello, God used Jesus. This is a huge lie. You don't have to be married to be used by God. Paul the Apostle wrote 13 books in the New Testament without a spouse. So this whole idea of I got to get married for God to really use me, it's a lie. God can use you right now in the prophetic realm, in the healing realm, as a woman of God, as a man of God. You can lead a movement that leads people to Christ, and you don't have to be married to do it. Can I get an amen from someone who believes the Bible this morning? Number nine. The enemy says you should spend your whole single life 100% focused on searching for the right one. Now, this sounds like a good idea. You go, that's not a lie, Paul. That sounds good. Here's the problem with this mindset with singleness. If I'm spending 100% of my time, because I did this. I actually did this. I took on this idea right here. I don't know if it was because people unintentionally told me this is what I should be doing, or maybe I just believed it or accepted it, that my entire single season is meant to be 100% focused on searching for the right one. So like I told you, when I was at ORU, I was thirsty. I was a thirsty. How many of y'all know some thirsty guys and girls around you? Don't raise your hand if they're sitting on your row. It's going to get awkward after church. They're going to confront you. But I was thirsty, and I was searching. And I was going, is she the one? Is she the one? I was going on dates. I was going on roommate dates. Now, it wasn't recreational dating. Every date I went on, I was thinking, maybe I'm going to get married to this girl. But I wasn't, I wasn't really focused on becoming the right one. I was focused on searching for the right one. And when you're focused on searching for the right one, it flies in the face of focusing on becoming the right one. When you're focused on becoming the right one, you're not 100% focused on searching for the right one. There was this girl who, I heard her story, and it was a very sobering story. She said, um, mom, she got home from a a, a young adult's church event, and she couldn't wait to tell her mom about this guy she had met. She said, mom, I finally met a really good guy. And her mom said, tell me about him. She said, well, listen, I I haven't been to church in a while, um, but I got invited by my friends to this young adult gathering. True story. She said, I went, and I was talking to some of my friends, and they introduced me to a guy at the church. And mom, he was the whole package. He was handsome. He was tall. He was strong. He was kind. He was humble. As he was talking about his job, I realized he's, this guy has a good job. He's a hardworking guy. He serves in his church. Mom, he is the whole package. And her mom interrupted her and said, honey, the problem with a guy like that is that he would never be interested in a girl like you. She said, when my mom said that, I collapsed to the kitchen floor. <laughs> And she said, I began to weep. She said, I was in a puddle of tears for a few reasons. It was hard to hear what she said because it was true. She said, I I had just been going on so many dates with different guys, crossing boundaries. I didn't have a vision for my life. I was so focused on finding Mr. Right that I wasn't becoming Mrs. Right. I wasn't really focused on becoming a woman after God's heart. And I was just hoping that I would marry a guy who was kind and humble and patient, had self-control and had boundaries and worked hard, but I wasn't focusing on becoming the kind of girl that a guy like that would be searching for. She said that night was a game changer. When my mom said that, I switched my entire perspective on singleness. Instead of spending my single life searching for the right one, I started spending my single life on becoming the right one. If you listen to any part of this message, this part right here, someone needs to hear this. You know a single, you are a single, you have a a child that's a single that wants to get married. The best advice we can give those who are in the single journey is to start focusing on becoming who God has made us to be. If you'll focus on becoming the right guy, the right girl, God will lead you to find the right guy, the right girl. 
Amen. Number 10, what you do today has no effect whatsoever on your future marriage. Again, this is a lie. Because today, your present will eventually become your past. And your past will eventually show up in your future. Man, I'm dropping some confusion bombs on you guys today. Someone told me, Paul, you're so practical. The people who really want deep stuff, they, they need you to just say something confusing. So I, I, I came up with a few confusing statements for you this weekend. So you just know it's deep. It's deep. Your present will become your past. And your past will show up in your future. Well, here's what I mean by that. Let me make it practical since I'm a practical person. Farmers know this, that the seeds I sow today, 10 years from now, will be past seeds. But those past seeds will bring a future harvest. In other words, my present will become my past and my past will show up in my future. So what I'm doing today matters so much so what's going to happen in my future. So if I am sowing seeds of honesty today, guess what kind of harvest I'm going to reap 10 years from now in my marriage? I am reaping a harvest on seeds I sowed 15 years ago. Ash and I are coming up on our 11-year anniversary here. And, and so we're celebrating marriage, and we're celebrating raising our kids. And can I just say, marriage is not for the weak. Marriage is not for the faint-hearted. Marriage takes work. Marriage takes two people who are totally committed to sacrificing their lives for one another. Marriage is not about getting all your happiness needs met. It is not about getting all your selfish desires met. Marriage is about going to the cross and saying, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And I will lay my life down for you, Ashley. I will lay my life down for you. That's what marriage is. And what, what you're doing in your single life will show up in your married life someday. And, and for some of you, you go, okay, well, what if I've walked through some marriages? What if I'm coming on my second or my third? Listen, God's grace is so great that whatever you've walked through in your past, he can forgive you. He can redeem you. He can give you grace for this future season that you're in. But I challenge you today, start sowing seeds. This is Old Testament and New Testament theology. Paul talked about this. Sowing seeds of kindness. Sowing seeds of love. Sowing seeds of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What you do today will definitely affect tomorrow. Number 11, the enemy says your bad habits, your painful heart issues, your addictions, your secret sins will all magically disappear once you meet the right person and get married to them. <laughs> we hear all the married people laughing right now. Yeah, because <laughs> we're like, nope. It doesn't disappear. It just gets exposed. It just gets amplified. If you don't deal with these things, if you don't control your desires, your, di your desires will control you. And here's the good news. We actually can have control over our desires. Some of you in the room, let me just say something right now. Because society has just accepted certain things in, in our world that we just go, well, it's normal now. Let's stop normalizing sin. Let's stop normalizing addictions that God wants us to break. Let's stop normalizing these things we go to to try to cope with our pain. Let's deal with it. Let's not pass it on to our kids. Let's not pass it on to the next generation. There is hope for you to have freedom today. You don't have to wait 50 years to get free. You can get free today. Number 12, the enemy says this. You have to sleep with someone in order to truly know if you're compatible to get married to them. It just got real up in this 11 a.m. service. God cares about who you sleep with and the boundaries of your sex life. Let's stop right there. Our society says, well, this is what they're doing on the TV shows. This is what my friends are doing. They're all sleeping with each other um, because that's how you find out if you're compatible with them. Well, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's just go there. Paul talks about sex. He talks about marriage. talks about all of it. In verse 1, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? And Paul answers the question, certainly, but only within a certain context. I love that Paul says sex is good, but only inside the right parameters. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Okay, well, let's stop right there. There is so much sexual disorder and dysfunction and gender disorder and confusion in our society right now. People don't know what they want. People don't know what to do with what they want, which leads me to my 13th lie that the enemy whispers, and I have to say it before we get into this next verse. This is what the enemy whispers. Number 13, the 13th lie, the enemy says, if we've got it, your feelings should direct your decisions. Besides, you can't really control yourself anyway, so if it feels right, just do it. If you feel it, then you are it. Like, just because sometimes I feel 
like, like doing something crazy doesn't mean I should do it. How many have ever had a sinful feeling before? If you didn't raise your hand, you are lying right now. <laughs> Let me just say this. Every married person in the room has probably had a sinful feeling that could destroy their marriage. God will not judge you by your feelings, but he will judge you by your actions. Just because I feel like something, like my kids, I love my children, but there have been a few moments here recently where they have tested my patience, and I am feeling something in that moment. It is not from heaven. It is not a heavenly feeling. I am feeling something in that moment. But thank God I have self-control over my feelings. Thank God that I don't have to be led by my temper. I don't have to be led by every impulsive feeling as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a woman. There were times as a single, man, I had some feelings. And I wanted to run with those feelings. But if feelings, feelings are a terrible pilot for an airplane. Feelings are a terrible driver for a vehicle of life. If I let feelings sit in the steering wheel, and go, well, I feel like this today, I feel like that. So what we have is we have like four-year-old boys that are going, ah, I feel like a girl. And, and parents going, well, you should give in your feelings. You should just change your gender. And then we have 40-year-old men saying, man, I feel like a woman. Okay, you can just change your gender. And, and then women going, ah, I feel like a man. Okay, well, you should give in your feelings because your feelings are a great foundation for life. Feelings will really lead you into no confusion at all. And then five years later, you feel something else. Well, I feel like I like guys. I feel like I like girls. I feel like this. I feel like that. Can we stop affirming a feeling-based lifestyle? It is so chaotic for our society. There are people today who are paying the price of others who have lived a feeling-based life. My uncle was walking out of Walmart a few years ago, right here in Tulsa, and someone who was feeling kind of reckless, who was feeling like driving while they were drunk, drove right through the parking lot and hit my uncle. Thank God he survived it. Thank God he walked through the whole treatment. He's walking today. He's lifting his hands. He worships today. But he could have died because someone let his feelings get behind the steering wheel. And this happens in marriages. This happens in singles going, oh, I just kind of feel like having sex with whoever. I just feel like I can't control it. Paul, I should just give in to my feelings. Besides, let's not offend anyone's feelings because feelings are so great. We should bow down to the idolatry of feelings. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. We are a Bible-based church. We are not a feelings-based church. We do not base our theology off of our feelings. We base it off God's word, which has stood the test of time longer than American politics, longer than the laws that our government passes. We stand on God's word. This is who we are, and this is what leads us into peace. This is what sets us free from chaotic disorder. And so Paul says this. He says, listen, sex is good. You should have sex. You should have fire. I got a lighter with me here. There we go. There's the fire. And I'm going to light this candle because fire is good in the right context. But imagine if I said, guys, I'm feeling kind of cold and I, I just need to get warm because I'm feeling really cold and I just need, I need to be warm. And so let's just, let's just set a fire anywhere in here. AJ, can I just set a fire on your shirt? <laughs> He's praying in tongues right here. Come on, we just all need to get warm. No, no, no. It would burn someone. Fire outside of the parameters that it's supposed to be in burns people, burns houses down, burns families down, burns marriages down. Like this last year, half of California was on fire because guys lit fires in places they never should have lit fires. And that is a spiritual prophecy as well. There are, there are, our nation is experiencing a wildfire right now with sexual promiscuity, with people who just have no boundaries. And they're saying, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me who to mate. Don't tell me who to marry. Don't tell me who I can have sex with. Don't tell me anything. I get to do what I want to do. The problem with that thinking is that it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts a lot of other people too. And this is a call, man, this is a cry in my heart that we would come back to a foundational truth of God's word. And so we, we come to this place that passion is good inside of parameters. Passion is strong when there's patience there to wait for the covenant of marriage, to wait for what God has in store. If you are here today and you are living with someone you're not married to, 
I want to do your wedding. Let's make it happen this month. I will help you guys tie the knot, get married. I'll be your minister. Let's do it for free. I'll do it right here. I'm serious. You go get the, you go get the covenant contract from, from the courthouse, whatever you got to do. Bring it here next week. And we'll get you married. But I do challenge you that you would come to church here every week, that you would go through our Before You Say I Do class, that after I sign that thing and marry you, that you would get in our discipleship track for men and women. Why? Because I want to help you succeed, man. I want to help you guys have victory. I want to help all of us have healthy homes. So Paul says this. He says, yes, yes, yes. If you have desires to get married, by all means, get married. And some of the singles in the room go, okay, I'll just go down to the marriage tree and pick out a husband, pick out a wife. Like, it's that easy, Paul. I know it's not easy. I know you're here today and you're going, man, it's painful. Paul, I've been waiting for years to meet the right person. I want to get married. Paul, I'm trying to do the right things. I have been containing the fire. I've been channeling the fire, the passion, the energy to serve God, to love people, to, to be a good man, to be a good woman. But I'm feeling discouraged in this process. And so I want to give you some truth bombs. I gave you some lies the enemy gave, but let me give you the truth. Are you ready for the truth? Here's 13 truths for singles. Number one, you are already complete in Christ. You have that. Number two, don't let anyone who doesn't know your worth determine your value. I'm going to say it again. Don't let any guy who doesn't know your worth determine your value. Number three, ladies, you are worthy to be pursued that means you don't have to ask out the guys on dates all the time. You are worthy to be respected, and you are worthy to be loved. Men, if you believe that, say amen and a hand clap that we are. Chivalry is still alive in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Victory Church. We got gentlemen in this house. Come on, with the mighty men of God. Please stand up. Please stand up. You are worth, ladies, you are worthy. You are worthy to be pursued. And, and, and if you're feeling like, man, Paul, no, what, what do I need to do? Because the guy is not making this move. He's not pursuing. That leads me to my fourth point. Actually, my, I'll get to my next point. Number four, men, you are worthy to be accepted, worthy to be respected, and worthy to be loved. Let me stop right here. When I was dating Ashley, yes! When I was dating Ashley, my mom said, you know what I love about Ashley? She said, you've brought a few girls home from ORU that that I'm glad that you never brought them back again. <laughs> hey, whoa, it's real. And uh, she said, you know, I love all people, but you know, as a mom, I'm picky for who my son married. I'm a picky dad. I'm gonna be picky about who my girl goes out with when she's 26 and she has her first date. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be serious about it. But my mom said, I love that Ashley accepts you. I love that she's not just making fun of you, ignoring you, just putting up with you. I feel like Ashley really celebrates you. And I am so thankful for a wife. Men, you are worthy to be accepted. You, you don't have to, like society makes fun of men all the time. Calls us goobers, just calls us like ridiculous. Like we just don't know what we're doing. We, don't, we have to always ask for directions. Okay, maybe that's true, but not, not always. We do know where we're going. But men, you are worthy to be accepted. And ladies, you are worthy to be respected. If he can't respect your body, he should not be your boyfriend right now. Let him grow up and become a man, boys to men. Let him grow up and figure out how to honor you. If he can't honor you, then, then you need to set some boundaries. Set some boundaries. My father-in-law, when I was dating Ashley, and Ashley and I are going to tag team preach next weekend, by the way. It's going to be fuego. She's going to bring the fire. We were going to tag team preach this weekend, but she preached some fire messages at Encounter Women's on Friday night, Saturday, and Thursday night. She was a guest speaker. I was her driver. I was her armor bearer. I took her there, and uh, she's been preaching fire. But next week, do not miss it. It's going to be so powerful and fun and good. Um, but... When I was dating her, we were in high school, and her father came and found me. I was with a group of friends. We were all eating at Zio's, and her father came up to me and said, I need to talk to you, Mr. Doherty. I said, yes, sir, Mr. McAuliffe. So I come outside, and he said, you're going to respect my daughter. Oh, my goodness. The fear of Mr. McAuliffe just got inside me. He said, you're going to respect my girl. I said, yes, sir. I was like, what did I do? I, I'm a good man. And he said, you were with a group of guys and you were saying some not good things in front of my daughter. And all of a sudden I realized he was right. I was in a setting where there were some guys 
And there were some things said that was completely inappropriate, disrespectful to girls. And Ashley was right there, feeling uncomfortable and awkward. I am so glad that I saw the example of a father standing up for his daughter, saying, do not talk like that in front of my baby girl. Respect women. Number five, here's the truth, here's the truth. Just because you're not married or in a serious relationship yet doesn't mean you missed it. Doesn't mean you missed it. Doesn't mean you missed it. God has more opportunities in front of you. Number six, don't be afraid to go out on dates. Hello. Don't be afraid to go out on dates. I'm not saying become a recreational dater, just going out on a date every night and, you know, with no boundaries. I'm saying, like, go out on some dates with a good guy in the church. Like, and, and, it ma- and it matters who, what, when, and where, right? So don't just go out on a date with anyone and everyone. Um, and don't just go out, you know, until 1 a.m. in the morning. Ha- have some boundaries around the dates, but go on some dates. Not every date ends in marriage, but every marriage begins with a date. So you got to be willing to go on a date. I think we have a courage problem in our society right now. People are afraid to just have the courage to just ask a girl out on a date or to say yes and go out on a date with a guy. And I want to just encourage you to have courage and go for it. Number seven. All right, number seven. Men, it's time to ask out some of these godly ladies in the church. This is a truth right here for you. It's time to ask some ladies out in the church. And when you do, I wrote this down. Be direct, be concise, don't beat around the bush, right? And then I I, I wrote this down, um, don't make it an intense date. Like, don't don't make it super intense. Do something that you were already planning to do. Have fun, invite her along, maybe a group date to start it off with, a first date. Be okay with a no before you even ask. Be okay. And remember that a no is not personal rejection. Just because she says no does not mean she could be saying no because she's in a season of just waiting right now. And, and so you asked at the wrong time. A no doesn't mean no forever. It could just be no for right now. It could be a no because she just got out of a relationship that really broke her heart and she's just afraid to say yes right now. Could be that, that they're waiting for a while before they get in. But just ask some of these godly ladies out in the church. Number eight, I feel like I'm getting eyeballs from everyone in the room right now. Why are you looking at me? Because you're preaching. All right, ladies, if he's a good guy, give him a chance. Give him a chance. All right, number nine. This season was not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. Enjoy it to the fullest. Say yes to the spontaneous. Say yes to the mission trips. Yes to the fun friend trips. Number 10, I want the keys to come out. This is a season where you can be fully devoted to Christ without any distractions. This is what Paul the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, I wish all of you were single like me. Y'all are like, no, thank you, Paul. That is not what I'm called to do. But he says this, if you're single, you can be fully devoted to Christ. I encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians 7. He says celibacy is not for everyone, just like marriage is not for everyone. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. By the way, the season you're in is a gift. Cherish it. He says, quit wishing you were someplace else with someone else doing something else. Where you are is right where God wants you. God, not your marital status, defines your life. And then he says this, There's so many pressures going on in the world today. So much stressful things. A married person has to be focused on pleasing their spouse. It is an additional stress they bring into their life, making sure their spouse has what they need. But an unmarried woman, an unmarried man, a single man, a single woman, they are able to stay focused on the master, to draw closer to the master, to become intimate in a relationship with God. Ultimately, God wants to become the all-consuming fire in your life. God wants you to stir up a fire. Every day that I drive to our church, every day that I drive up here, I look across the street at Oral Roberts University, and there's a flame that's been going for many years. It's the flame that sits on the prayer tower. And it reminds me to keep the fire alive in my walk with Christ, to never lose that fire, never lose that passion. Ultimately, marriage is not our destination. Marriage is not our destination. Ultimately, heaven is our destination. Marriage is preparation for what we're going to do in eternity when we worship God and we lay our crowns down and say, it's all for you. It's all from you. This life is short. It's short. It's fragile. So we've got to learn that following Christ, pursuing Christ is the ultimate goal. Number 11, truth here. You will meet the right person in the right environment. You will meet the right person and you won't meet the right person in the wrong environment. You'll meet the right person 
you'll find the godly guy on the front lines of the church. You'll find your fiance on the front lines of the dream team. You'll find them in church, planted, faithful, not hopping every week to a new place, never letting their, their roots go in. Find them in the right environment. Number 12, you will attract the kind of person that you are. And number 13, final point here. Just imagine that God has three answers for you when you're hoping and praying that this person could be your future spouse. One, yes. Two, not yet. And three, I have someone else in mind for you. What God is saying is that, yes, I do desire to grant the desires of your heart, but maybe not yet. Or maybe I have someone else better for you. So where does that leave us? For Ashley and I, I know for us, it came time after college, I went through this season of just drawing closer to God, pursuing Him. I fell in love with just getting involved in the church, serving. I signed up for a homeless ministry here. On Friday nights, I remember just going, going and, and doing homeless ministry. It all came because of Valentine's week. It was a Valentine's week that I was so sad because I wasn't in a relationship. All my friends were dating. They were like holding hands with people, giving jackets to their girlfriend, kissing each other. And I was so like having a pity party. My grandma saw me in the hallway. She goes, what's wrong with you, son, uh, Paul? I said, I'm just sad. She said, well, what are you doing for Valentine's? I said, nothing. I'm just, you know, I'm just singles awareness day, just sad. And she said, well, why don't you go on a date with me? I said, okay. She goes, well, you got to ask me out first. <laughs> so I said, grand, grand, would you go on a date with me? And she said, yes, pick me up at seven this Friday night. I said, yes, ma'am. Grand Grand's on the front row over here. And so she said, now you need to wear a suit. I said, yes, ma'am. So I wore a suit, I had a tie, I had a rose right here. I came to Grand Grand's house, she was in a dress. She said, where are we going? I said, Village Inn. Come on, I, I got the big bucks. I took her to Village Inn, 71st and Memorial. I don't know if it's still there. But we go in. I said, get whatever you want. I got this. She said, I was expecting you to pay for it. I said, I got it. Yeah, I, okay, I got it. And um, we're sitting there. And she said, Paul, this single season doesn't have to be a sad season for you. It could be a purposeful season. She said, when my husband passed away, I was sitting on my porch in my rocking chair when your dad came home and said, Mom, you can get bitter or you can get better. You can live bitter in this season, mad at what would happen with your husband dying, or you can get better, make the most of the season. She said, I've lived for the last 30 years just loving on people, mentoring singles, serving other people, pouring out my life for other people. It's a purposeful thing. After that, she inspired me. Thank you, Grand Grand. She turns 96 this month, and she still works full-time at the church. Mighty woman of God. I'm going to interview you on your birthday here at the church and let people just hear what you have to share. you got wisdom to share for all of us. I don't know who works for who. If I work for her, she works. Well, we work together here at the church. But I got involved in ministry. I started serving in the homeless ministry with Phil Brown, with Jenny. We go on Friday nights. Jenny was in her 50s, and... Little did I know the next year that both Phil Brown and Jenny would die. And they led a homeless ministry here in our church. And, man, we would just go down and hang out. We would serve soup. We'd be in the day center. So when the time came where Ashley and I began to date, our first date was at the homeless shelter. I said, you got to come with me. She didn't realize where we were going. She got dressed up real nice. And she said, you should have told me we were going to serve the home. I said, it's all good. You look beautiful. And homeless people were going, man, she looks pretty. And. And so I remember that whole experience, God was preparing me. And here's what I want to end with today, really quickly, what to do during your single season. Singles, this can be a purposeful season, but number one, you've got to have a vision and a passion for life besides getting married. Have a vision. Without a vision, people perish. And let the vision not just be to meet your missus or meet your mister, but to follow, like, go do something great for God. Number two, know who you are and set your boundaries. I remember when Ashley and I um, got married, we watched a movie called uh, Runaway Bride. And in the movie, Julia Roberts is just running from every wedding that she's in, every relationship. And this journalist writes a whole news article about her called The Runaway Bride. She ends up falling for, for this guy, this news guy. And he says, you know, there's something about you. He said, you don't even know who you are. Every guy you've been with, I've studied it. Every guy you've been with, you ordered whatever they ordered. You let them just choose your meal for you. You don't even know what eggs you like. You don't even know who you are. And Ashley and I just paused in the movie. We're like, wow, that was powerful. How many people 
are just letting their boyfriend, their girlfriend just decide everything for them. You got to know who you are. You got to set boundaries for your life. You got to know that you have a purpose. Number three, number three, we're almost done. Practice selflessness and serving right now. What you do right now will affect in your future. Number four, save your money. <laughs> you can save a lot of money during your single season. I love following Dave Ramsey. He's so practical. He always brings that financial peace home to me. And uh, I saved so much money during my single season. I had enough money to put a down payment on Ashley and I's condo uh, when we got married and then be able to pay for our honeymoon. Number five, enjoy life right now. Stop waiting for a future season to really start enjoying life. The glory of God is man fully alive in this season. Woman fully alive in this season. Not man fully alive in marriage. Woman fully alive in marriage. Fully alive right now. Number six, get planted in your church. Get planted. Be faithful. Number seven, spend time with married people and godly single people on the same path as you. Number eight, never stop becoming who God has made you to be. This is for married people too. Too often we arrive at a destination. We think, well, this is who I am. You're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. No, no, no. God's not finished with you, so you don't be finished with you. And number nine, while you wait, hope in Jesus more than marriage. Stand to your feet all over this place as we get ready to dismiss. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? The hope of our life is not marriage. The hope of our life is a relationship with Jesus. The hope of our life is not finding someone that we can fall in love with. The hope of our life is allowing the all-consuming fire. Please, if you wouldn't mind, just close your eyes across this room. I want to just pray for you. I want to minister to you. And I promise you these last few minutes of this service will be the most important part. If you're here today and you know there are some areas in your life that you need to surrender to God, I want you to raise your hand. You know God is speaking to you. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. Front to the back, you're going, man, I, I need to surrender some things. I need to start working on some areas in my life. I need, to, I need to get free from some things. Some of you today, you have believed the lies of the enemy. You've been weighed down with discouragement, with anxiety, with depression, with stress. And I want to set you free from those lies today. If you've allowed some lies to, to lead you into discouragement during the season, I want you to raise your hand because today, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And lastly, you're here today and you go, man, I need to just get down to that altar. I need to get down to that altar. I need to recommit my heart to Christ. I need to recommit my life to Christ. I need to get my marriage back in Christ. I need to get my love life back in Christ. If you raised your hand for any of those or should have raised your hand, will you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar right now. We want to cheer on brave men, brave women, brave husbands, brave wives, brave single men, brave single ladies. Today is a day to say I am shaking off fear and discouragement and anxiety and depression. I am choosing to pursue a path to focus on becoming the right person instead of just looking for the right person. Come on, there is room at this altar today. In fact, I wanna invite some of you here today that have a dream to get married to someone. You have a dream to get married to a godly guy, a godly girl, if that's you, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join this altar. If you're a single person and you've been waiting and you've been hoping and you've been praying and you've been dreaming and you've been journaling, Lord, I just want to marry the right guy, the right girl. God has not forgotten about you. God is not done with your story. God is not ashamed of you. If you're here today and you're divorced and you're praying one day to be remarried and you're believing God for a healthy remarriage, I want you to come to this altar. There is no shame in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. This is an altar for anyone who says, God, I need you to get involved in my love life. God, I need you to get involved in my love life. He wants to be. He cares deeply about the desires of your heart. He cares deeply about the dreams in your heart for a future wife, for a future husband, to be remarried, to see God reconcile things. I just hear God saying, bring your tears. He catches every tear. He hears every prayer. He sees what you're going through on Friday nights when you're all alone. He sees the candle burning. He sees you pursuing him. He sees you saying, God, I just need help. He sees you working on those bad habits. He sees you trying to break those addictions. He sees it and he says, I know, son. I know, son, you're on the right path. I know, daughter, you're on the right path. Don't quit. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop showing up to church. Don't stop showing up to the right environments. Don't stop going to discipleship. Don't stop developing who you are. 
God says, if you'll just keep on walking by faith and not by sight, I'm going to bring to pass those dreams that I put in your heart. I hear God saying, bring your list to the altar. Bring your list to the altar. God's wanting to alter some things at the altar. He's wanting to change some things. Lord, I just pray right now for every guy. In fact, can I ask all of us that are believers in the room, would you just stretch your hands out? You don't know what people are walking through at this altar. And there could be some here tonight, today. This, is their, this could be a, a last-ditch effort with God. And we're going to believe that God's going to meet them at this altar today. So, God, we just pray right now for every man, every woman, every young adult, every single in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s, whatever season of life they're in, in their 50s, I pray in Jesus' name. God, for every marriage in the room, I pray for healing today in hearts, healing in homes, healing in relationships. I pray for women today, God, that you are speaking to them on standards, on boundaries. I, I pray for men today that you are speaking to them, God, on respect, on boundaries, on standards. I pray in Jesus' name, God, for revival right here, right now. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are not done yet. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have greater things. You have greater things. And I just speak this over someone today. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident waiting to happen. You are not what people have said to you. You are not what people have done to you. You are not damaged goods. You are valuable in Jesus' name. You're a masterpiece in Jesus' name. You are not damaged. You are healed in Jesus' name. You are restored in Jesus' name. You are whole in Jesus' name. You are not broken. You are whole. Just say this with me. Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender. I repent of sin. And I receive your forgiveness. I believe that I am forgiven that my future is bright, that you hear my prayers, you know my dreams, you are faithful, God, and I refuse to quit. I choose to renew my commitment to pursue you, your will, your way. I will make the most of this season of my life, and I believe my best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. If you believe it, say amen and amen. I love you. You got the victory. God bless you.